0: All right, priesthood. I want to start this off by saying for one last time, I have a five-year-old son named Spencer because as of tomorrow he will be six. So I will never be able to say I have a five-year-old son named Spencer. He actually told me a couple weeks ago, I'm trying to get better when I share stories about Spencer uh, asking him first because he's getting to the age where he gets embarrassed and things like that. And, and we were having a party for him a few weeks ago for his birthday, and he came over to me and he whispered, Daddy, you can tell the people at church that we're having a birthday party for me. <laughs> so um, Spencer's in kindergarten, and, and there's, a, there's a, a ceremony at the beginning of, of class every Monday in kindergarten, uh, where where the kids are given special jobs. And there are four special jobs that they rotate through each week. Now, somebody on Monday is dubbed the line leader. So wherever they go, their responsibility for that week is to get that line where it needs to go. They're the line leader. Now, all the kids are waiting as the next job is given, and that is the caboose. And the caboose is the line trailer to make sure that everybody in front of them doesn't trail off very important role assigned weekly so we got the line leader and we got the caboose and then we have the calendar helper very exciting role where you go up each day and you put a sticker on the day of the week and the month that the week is in very very you know crucial role the, the calendar helper and finally the zenith of all special responsibilities, the weather helper, where you look online to see what the weather is outside, because you can't just look out the window. And, and if it's sunny, you put the sun sticker on. If it's windy, you know, whatever. So each week, these kids, you know, one of the high points of the week is to find out their special responsibility for the week, and that's in kindergarten. But what really happens is that's just the start because for the rest of our lives, we get to wrestle through as human beings what is our special responsibility? What should we be doing with our life? What do we want to do when we grow up? Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is our role? Does it even matter? And we wrestle through those things. But what we see in the priesthood in Leviticus is that there was a certain group of people that God told at a very early age, because it was designed by lineage, your special role in life is unlike anyone else. You're a priest. You will serve me your whole life. Now before we actually get into the scripture, what I'd like to do is, is give you the history behind the priesthood. That actually sounds like it's coming from behind me. It is. Joe, your mom's calling. (laughs) If you need to take that, we understand. (laughs) Um, so the priesthood started out of out of lineage now here's here's how that came about in in the, the book of genesis okay leviticus is the third book of the bible genesis exodus leviticus pretty much chronological starts with adam and eve adam and eve fall from god god separates himself from human beings human beings kind of wander a little bit and then in in um in genesis 12 or so First book of the Bible, again, Abraham is a man of God, and God tells Abraham, out of all these scattered nations, I'm going to choose you as my chosen people. Abraham has two children, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, out of Ishmael come, historically or traditionally, the, 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 um, Islam is birthed from Ishmael. And out of Isaac comes the Jewish people. So this is a very significant individual, Abraham and his two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac has two children, Jacob and Esau. So we got Abraham's grandpa, his son is Isaac. Isaac has two twins, Jacob and Esau. God comes to Jacob, so we see the lineage, and says, You are going to be of Abraham's offspring, the one that gives birth to the nation of of Israel changes his name to Israel and says you are going to be the father of my nations Israel or Jacob um, has 12 children so I'm trying Abraham Isaac Jacob and Esau Jacob is renamed Israel by God and Israel has 12 boys those are the 12 tribes of Israel So the Levites, Levi was one of his children, one of the twelve, they are chosen for priesthood. And um, we find our way then, a couple generations later, all of the Israelites are in slavery in Egypt. The Levites, they all still know who each other are, okay? God frees them from slavery, and now he tells them that the Levites are chosen for priesthood, which is where we get the name Leviticus. It's kind of like saying stuff of the Levites. Okay, so it's priestly stuff. Now, when the child got old enough, he would have been informed, you are a Levite. And because you are a Levite, you will be a priest. And can you imagine what it would have been like for a child to learn that he was given a special role, things that only he could do, that nobody else could do. But because he was a priest, he would have these roles. And what I want to do now is is talk about the design of the priesthood because ultimately that's going to point to life in Christ because most of what we read in Leviticus points to life in Christ. So the first thing we see about the priesthood is that God wanted them to stand out in multiple ways, as separate from everyone else, one of which was by their dress code. So if you'll turn to Exodus 28, (coughs) Exodus 28, and and so this is is shortly before Moses gives the directions in Leviticus. This is like the prequel to Leviticus. He's already kind of shaped what the priests are going to look like. So Exodus 28 says this. Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. <clears throat> so we know right there that Aaron is a descendant of which tribe? Levi. Levi. Make so is Moses. Make sacred garments from your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled men to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments from Aaron for his consecration, so he may serve me as priest. These are the garments they are to make: <clears throat> a breastpiece, an ephod a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make them these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. So God has a very specific look that involves pretty much the whole getup of the priest. He has a specific thing that they need to wear because he wants them to stand out. Now, this is just just to give you an idea of how specific God is. Let's take a look at the ephod. Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen the work of a skilled craftsman. It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. It's skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold, with purple, with blue and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in order of their birth, six on the one stone, the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold, whatever that word is, settings, and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold, whatever, settings, and two braided chains of pure gold like a rope and attach the chains to the settings. Now, is that not dizzying detail? Isn't it crazy that God gets that specific? He has a set thing in mind. He wants details because it is extra important to him that these priests are set apart God is holy and set apart. These priests need to represent him. And so they, by their clothing, just by sight of their clothing, need to be set apart. Now, I have a friend who has a nun in the family. And every now and then, his, his nun in the family will show up to family gatherings. I'm close enough that sometimes I get invited to, you know, birthday parties and things like that. So we got this garage cleaned out with folding tables and chairs. And it's usually hot and it's always rainy. And and people are there in, you know, T-shirts and shorts and, you know, ripped jeans and stuff like that. And, And every now and then his nun family member will show up dressed to the nines, in nonivity i mean just looks incredibly impressive with monster rosaries and you know the 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 huge dangling cross and just you know the, the the virgin mary sash and all that it's impressive and when you walk in your mind immediately goes to the one that is dressed separate and if you took a quiz 95% of the people who is the most spiritually minded person in this room pick them out it ain't gonna be me they're gonna pick the nun because by the very dress there's just something different about the person this is the same concept I think that God gives here through these descriptions of the of the the finely detailed clothing of the priest. So by their dress, they had to be set apart. Now we're going to get into the Leviticus. And, you know, the Israelites had just heard about what priests needed to wear. Now we're going to get into Leviticus 8, and they're going to take it a step further. <coughs> so we're in this ceremony to set apart the priest. Mult- the multiple, the, the priest's. Uh, Moses, this is down in verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. Moses said to the assembly, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward, washed them with water, put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him. He also tied the ephod ephod to him by its skillfully woven waistband, so it was fastened on him. So what's happening now is, we're going to see this ritual meant to show not only in clothing, but in purity, the priest is set apart. So they're washed to symbolize purification. Then they're clothed with this spiritually stunning, spiritually looking clothing, okay? Now we're going to skip forward to verse 22. Interesting thing that happens here. Maybe even a little bit gross. Gross. 822, he then presented the other ram, the ram for ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward, the other priests and put some of the blood on the lobes of the right ears, on the thumbs of the right hands, and on the big toes of the right feet. And then he sprinkled blood against the altar on all sides. <clears throat> what seems to be happening here, because remember we've said that blood symbolizes forgiveness, symbolizes life, symbolizes purity and purification. And so God is purifying through symbolism the ear the hand and the foot almost as if to say these people are to live pure lives to hear God purely and to follow with hands and feet what they hear from their God purely but the concept here is just as they are set apart by their dress they will be set apart by their actions And the priests lived their lives, essentially, in the temple, performing rituals that only priests could form. They were chosen by God and set apart by their dress, by their actions, and by their location. And everyone knew, if I need to go experience God, I'm going to go to the temple and I'm going to interact with the priests. If I'm going to go find forgiveness for my sins... I'm going to go to the temple, and the priests are going to orchestrate the sacrifice for forgiveness. If I want prayer, if I want anything, it was all focused to the priest and to the temple. Can you imagine what it would have been like for a child to learn? God picked me for that. God wants me to be his special dude, to do his special stuff that only I, nobody else, can do these things. I am special to God. I am chosen by God. He wants me to be a priest. And because I'm a Levite, I get that. Well, here's the thing for us today. Even though this was written 3,400 years ago, it's extremely relevant to us today. Here's why. Exodus 19 This is before God told them anything about the priesthood. It says Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, "This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel." So you, you get that. You follow that? There's the lineage. They're the house of Jacob or Israel because they were his descendants from the twelve tribes. Okay. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. How I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So they were just, you know, not long before this in slavery in Egypt, and God delivered them with plagues and power and, you know, apocalyptic displays. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of you all... then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what we see here is that God gives his dream. His dream is for all of us to be priests, a kingdom of priests. But he starts off, with a specific priesthood. And he tells this specific priesthood, I want you to dress the part, because I want you to look the part, and I want you to act the part with holiness. One day I will have a kingdom of priests, but for now I have a tribe, the Levites of priests. Now if we look forward to Second Peter, if you have one of these Bibles, it's on page 840. If you don't, good luck. It's a short book. This is after the time of Jesus. Most of Leviticus points to Jesus. The promise of the nation of priesthoods, of the nation of priests, points to Jesus. Peter, in chapter 2, verse 5, says this. You also, again, this is after Jesus. This is for us today. It's just as if he's reading this to us today today. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is that everybody is now a priesthood because of Jesus. God looks at you. He says, you're a priest. You're waiting to hear your special role It's Monday morning. It's spiritual kindergarten class. You're waiting to hear your special role. And God says, I want you to be a priest. I choose you to be my representative. I want you to be close to me. Skip on to verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation. He's not talking to the Levites. He's talking to any listener, any follower of Jesus, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, among people who are far from God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. I have one more passage that I want to look at. If you look at Colossians chapter (coughs) 3, Peter says, you now, through Jesus, are a priesthood. You are chosen, man, woman, you are chosen as a priest of the Almighty, as someone to be his representative. And what we're going to see here that Paul says is, as that chosen person, you need to dress the part. Therefore, this is in verse 12, "...as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on, dress yourself with love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." So God doesn't care anymore about the robes, about the breastplate, about the sash. He says, clothe yourself with love. You are a priesthood. Clothe yourself with love. The priesthood in the past was just to point to us today so that we can understand what God means when he says, I want you separated from the world. I want you special. I want you close to me. And that clothing, all the attention to detail was to point to one day when God would say, just like the priest looks the part with that dress, I want you to look the part. But not with clothing, with love. And the purity, same chapter, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self. The priesthood, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. God showed the Israelites in the Old Testament in Leviticus, I want my priesthood to be pure, and I want you to look the part. And I want people to know that when they make their way to that temple, they are going to find me there, and they're going to find my representatives. Look the part, act the part, live the part. But that was to point to Jesus. And through his sacrifice on the cross, God now looks to each and every one of us in here today and said, you're the real priesthood. I choose you. I know about the lust. I choose you. I know about the gossip. I choose you. I know about the divorce. I know about the affair. I know about the pornography. I know about the anger, the rage. I choose you. I know where you were last night. I choose you. I love you. I want you as a priest. And we're overwhelmed with guilt. Can you imagine if God walked into the room and you're sitting there and you're waiting to know, what, if, what is God going to tell me He wants me to be? He said, I want you to be a priest. You start to laugh because you know where you've been. But Scripture says that through Jesus' death on the cross, we are without blemish, free from accusation, holy in the sight of God. If we put our trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, all our sins, past, present, and future wiped out, God says, I, I know what you did last night, but I don't remember it. The scripture says that God remembers our sin no more through Jesus. That's our message. And it's up to us to decide, will I step into that role or not? Will I leave the common, huge theme in Leviticus, the common and the holy. Will I leave the common, the everyday, in exchange for God's life as a priest? When I was in high school, I, I was offered the chance to to give the weather report on the morning exchange and and we were there on site and um one of those things where i began to they just walked up to me i don't remember the name of the lady the host of the morning exchange said you i want you to give the weather and i'm thinking about the millions of people in ohio that that are going to do that i'm thinking about you know my own inadequacies and things like that and and i i wussed out I said, pick somebody else. And I watched my my classmate, Eric Simonetti, through clenched teeth, just eat up the moment on the air. I could never step in to that opportunity. And I've regretted it. But we learned today that God says, you're a priest. And we're kind of in that same situation, a chance to leave the common and step into the supernatural. And the table is set. God chooses you. To be his representative. And I hope that through his word. We will all take that very seriously. And become a kingdom of priests for God.